What does God say about our bodies? Well, what we think about our bodies and how we consider our bodies and what we do with our bodies actually reveals what we feel and think about who God is, who Jesus is, what the Bible says, what the church is supposed to be. What we feel and do and think about with our bodies reveals what we think about sexuality and gender and marriage and life and death and even aging. But fortunately, what we think about our bodies can be instructed and guided by what God says about our bodies. And you, be, you might be surprised to know that the Bible actually has a lot to say about our bodies. Even Jesus talks about our bodies. Now, you wouldn't necessarily always think it, but he does talk about our bodies. One time, these Pharisees, they came to Jesus, and they were trying to trap him. This is in Matthew chapter 19. They were trying to trap him about divorce. Jesus lived in a day and age where one of the Pharisees, leading leaders, leading teachers says, you should never get divorced for any reason. God hates divorce. And one of the other interpreters of the law, one of the other leaders of uh, the Pharisees, leaders of the lawgivers, he said, you can divorce your wife for any reason, even if they burn the toast, whatever you got to do, get her out of there, you can do it. God has allowed it. And so they came to Jesus and they're asking him about divorce and they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to see if he ends on this side or ends on this side. But he's actually, he actually says something pretty significant about our bodies. I'm going I'm to read that little passage. Matthew chapter 19. Some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read? Jesus replied that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And then they came back and they said, well, why then did Moses give us, you know, Moses was a lawgiver. He gave us an ability to get divorced. And Jesus said, it's because you all got broken. This isn't how it was designed. Because the world is broken and because you all are broken, that's why Moses, something went really, really wrong. That's why Moses had to help you out where you were, where you were so broken. But that's not how it was in the beginning. See, Jesus is, is talking about divorce here, but he's actually also talking about our bodies. At the beginning, Jesus said, is when God set the standard for who we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to think about our bodies. After sin, everything got broken and messed up. But if we go back to what God says is the standard, we can actually know and begin to think about and begin to process what God says about our bodies. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be studying what God says about our bodies. And we are going to talk about who God is, who Jesus is in relationship to the body. We're going to talk about gender and sexuality. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about children. We are going to talk about how the Bible, how God talks about our bodies. And we're going to talk about it in a way where hopefully you can have discussions and conversations about it too. Maybe you've already started having conversations. Maybe you've been in arguments on Facebook about it. Maybe you've been thinking, how in the world do some people think this way? Or how in the world do some people think this way? Maybe you've already started thinking that, but you haven't had a way to express your thoughts or a way to actually speak into somebody's life. There are some lies about the body that affect people. They can affect you and me. There are some lies out there, um, some different worldviews that I think are more dangerous than we realize. I was just thinking about, I, it never occurred to me 
that if we believe a lie, we have joined... Well, let, me just, let me just mention some of the lies. There is a lie out there that how my body looks determines my worth. That's a lie out there, that the health and the function and how other people see my body determines my worth. That is a lie that's out there that some people live by. It's a destructive lie. There's another lie out there. Uh, this is kind of the, the atheistic, there is no God, there is no heaven lie, and that is I am only a body. I'm just a clump of cells, and when these cells stop functioning correctly and I, my body dies, I cease to exist. That's a lie that's out there. There's another lie that I am not my body, I'm just a person, and the only thing that really matters about me is my psychology, my person, my thinking, the way I feel. That is also a destructive lie that is out there. I never thought about it this way, but if we join in with a lie, we actually join in with Satan. I've never, I've never thought about it that way. Can you imagine being on the Satan? Satan can't hurt the creator, but he can definitely hurt the creation. And if he can separate our minds from truth, he can lead us down a path of destruction that will lead to death, and we join with him in rebellion, sometimes even unknowingly. Second Timothy, uh, Paul talks about that. He, talk, he says, hey, you, we got to pray for these people who've been tricked, who've been, who've been uh, fed a lie, who are living a lie, and hope, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, and give them gentle instruction, and maybe God will allow their eyes to be open, they would see the truth. And then in verse 26 it says, and maybe they'll come to their senses, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I never, I, I haven't been thinking about that, that if we live a lie, that we are doing the will of Satan. Have you ever thought that you could join with Satan in his kingdom work? Okay, King, Satan's kingdom work is to kill you and destroy you and ruin everything about you and your relationships and especially kill your family. Have you ever thought that if you join with a lie, you join in with his work? I've not, I hadn't thought about that until today. So we need to understand what truth is. And we need to understand what truth is about our bodies if for nothing else, so we don't join in with Satan. But I think there's some other reasons why we should know what truth is, why we should have our eyes open about what God says about our bodies so that we could live in truth, so that we can live in a healthy way. You know, if you live in truth, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be happier, and you're actually going to honor God more fully if you follow truth and follow a path that actually leads to life. Well, Jesus gives us a starting point. He says, didn't you read in the beginning... This is where God sets the standard. So for our discussion today about the body, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis where God explains what's going on in creation and he sets the standard for what we should be thinking about our bodies. He actually tells us what to think about our bodies. You can turn if you want to Genesis chapter 1. Now, Genesis doesn't explain all the hows, but it does explain the whys. I love how Genesis is fighting these cultural lies that are surrounding the Hebrew people when they read it. When Moses is writing Genesis and he's laying it out for his people to read, he's fighting these cultural lies around them. Remember, they're coming out of Egypt. Egypt teaches, or Egypt at that time was teaching, that there was this wild and evil, chaotic waters. And out of the waters, there came their God, their God came out of the waters and became the land. And they worshiped the land as their God. 
And their land, they said, their God that they worshiped would create some of those other things. So when Moses was laying it out and he was explaining what the truth is, he was fighting against one of those lies. He said, no, 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 God who created everything actually created the land. Can you imagine the Egyptians reading that and thinking, oh, they have a God that actually created our God. Or the Babylonians, when they were taken into captivity, part of their creation story was that out of those wild and chaotic waters, there was this great sea beast, and that was their God, but this sea beast was too destructive. So the god's goddess's son, Marduk, killed this great sea beast, this great god, and split her body open to become the sky and the land, and out of her blood created humans to serve the gods. And the Babylonians, they taught creation was this evil, chaotic event, and whoever was strongest would win, and whoever could kill more was the better person. But creation story from God is not like that. He said, no, no, he creates out of love, and he just speaks into existence. See, even the creation story at the time of Moses was fighting off the lies so people could come to truth, have their eyes open, and live a life of truth. And we come to the creation of people. And God was, it starts in that creation story with water too. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, those chaotic evil waters that every um, people group in that area had as what was there. And God ordered creation. He brought order to creation. So instead of the wild and turbulent waters, he separated them so there would be waters below and a sky above. He created order to that chaos. And then out of the waters, he created land. He was creating order in the chaos. And then with these places that he made, this is the way we're supposed to think. Why is he doing this? He's bringing order. He's bringing order. He's bringing peace. He's bringing life. In that, those spaces, he puts the, the beings, the creatures, the creation that's going to rule in those spaces. So in the sky, he put the sun and the moon to rule over that created ordered space. For the air, he put birds to rule over that created space. For the water, he put fish to rule over that created space. For the land, he put animals to rule over that created space. He, he provided order. But the very last part of his creation, the pinnacle, he created humans. I love how Genesis chapter 1 is teaching us this truth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says this. God said, let us make mankind in our, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the create, creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The first thing we need to know about what God says about our bodies is he made us on purpose and out of love. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. This is mind-boggling to the person who's living the lie that your body doesn't matter. And then he gave them the purpose. You know, out of all of creation, there is no other created being and no other created item that was made in the image of God. This helps us understand who we are by understanding who God is. Who is God? What is his image? 
Well, we just learned through the first chapter of the creation story that God is a God of creation that brings order to chaos, and he doesn't do it through death and destruction, but he does it through life-giving words. This is our God. This is how we were made. And as he brings order to chaos, he's giving us the responsibility, you too, you go out into this world, Adam and Eve, all the children of God, and you bring order to chaos. He gave them responsibility. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. We were made in his image, in his likeness. We were supposed to bring order to that chaos. You ever use your phone on your map and you pinch the map and it gets smaller, you, you get a real big picture. But if you spread your fingers on the map, you can look really close. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked up your house? You know your house is on the internet. If you type in your address on Google Earth, a picture of your house will appear. And if you get really close, whatever was going on in your yard on the day they took that picture is on the internet. I know that's scary for some of you. In chapter 2 of Genesis, it's like God did this finger spread. He said, let me show you a little bit closer about creation. He had created humans, mankind, Adam and Eve in his image. But he said, let's get a little closer about how I did this. Chapter 2, verse 7. He says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Out of all creation, he speaks the sun and the stars and the moon into existence. He just speaks the sky, the waters, the ground, the vegetation, all of the animals. He just speaks it into existence. But for mankind, he takes the time to form Adam with his hands. He is hand-making humans. And notice it doesn't say that he took a soul and then he was looking for something to put the soul in. He said he formed the body and then he breathed life into the body. We are not just encasements for our soul. We are animated bodies, life animated bodies by God. We are our bodies. Our bodies are not all that we are, but we are our bodies. You go outside these doors and the drug addict that sometimes comes around on Sunday mornings who circles our parking lot. <laughs> Did you lock your doors today? If he attacks you and breaks your nose, you don't have him arrested for property damage. You have him arrested for assault on your person. We are our bodies. It's not all we are, but we are our bodies. And God created us for a purpose. He breathed life into us. One of the reasons he created us so that we would be in his image and in his likeness. Part of his image and his likeness is to bring order to chaos. That's why Jesus, he teaches us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to go and take the, be God's representatives wherever we go and we're supposed to bring about his ordered kingdom wherever we go. We have real responsibility. With Adam and Eve, he gave them real responsibility, which means they had real choice, and they blew it. But we were made with a purpose, and we were created by God. David, King David, 
I don't know if I should tell this story first or then uh, tell the next one. King David in Psalm 139, I'll start with David. He says it this way. You, God, created, chapter 139, verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Can you imagine God forming you on purpose, with purpose? He designed you. David describes it poetically. He knit me together. Is anybody in here knit? Anybody ever knit? One person back here? When you knit, every stitch is handmade, isn't it? What do you do if you mess up a stitch? What do you do if you mess it up? What, if you have a little mess up, what do you do? Pull it out, start over. And then it's how you designed it, right? God knit you together in your mother's womb. Every molecule of your being is by design. Even with our imperfections, we can thank God that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. When Adam and Eve, they were given this responsibility, when anytime you give real responsibility, you have real choice. You really can mess it up if you have real responsibility. When Adam and Eve got to thinking in their minds that God was holding out on them, he was holding something good back from them. God had set up healthy boundaries in their community and in their environment. He said, you can eat anything you want. Just bring order to this garden. You subdue the earth, subdue the animals, be fruitful and multiply. But there's a healthy boundary I'm going to set up here. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Real responsibility brings real choice. Real love means you have to choose to love or not choose to love. And in that moment, they decided God must be holding out on them and they were going to go choose to decide and decide for themselves what was going to be good and evil. When they did that, they left the life made in the image of God, connected with God. They left that, rebelled against him, and it broke the world. When Jesus says, haven't you read that in the beginning it was like this? And they said, well, why did Moses give us a certificate of divorce? He said, well, after the beginning, when God set the standards, you broke it. And now you have to live with those consequences when Adam and Eve broke the world through sin. We've all experienced the consequence of that. Jonah Hill, he's, a, he's an actor and a comedian, just the other day, I, it was probably three or four days ago I was reading, he, he did this article. He said, please, 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 please stop talking about my body. Jonah Hill, when he, got, when he got famous acting, he was an overweight actor. He was a comedic actor, and he would sometimes use his overweightness as part of his comedy. And then several years ago, he tried to go through this transformation where he got healthy, and he lost a bunch of weight, and then he gained it back, and then he lost the weight, and then he gained it back. And um, he said, please stop commenting about my body. It doesn't help me. He said, if you compliment my body, it doesn't make me feel good. And if you make fun of me because I'm overweight, it doesn't make me feel good. Just stop talking about my body. Then he said this thing that was so, it hurt my heart for him. He said, I, it was when I was 30 years old, I couldn't take off my shirt to go swimming before I was 30 because I was so ashamed of my body. He said, now I'm in a better place. When Adam and Eve broke the world with sin, we were all affected by it. 
And we all have these various emotions or various experiences that involve our body. And some of those emotions and some of those experiences make us feel shame or we feel afraid or we feel unsatisfied. But don't allow your emotions or feelings or those bad experiences you have to set what is true about you. Go back to what God says is true about you. Go back to his standard that he fearfully and wonderfully made you and he made you with a purpose. Your body is designed to bring him glory. He wants you to reveal his love through your body. In fact, the only way to reveal the invisible is through the body. And even with our imperfections, even with our anxieties, even with the things that we don't like, about our bodies, we can thank him that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. If we can line up our thoughts with the truth that we were made on purpose for a purpose, that our bodies are a part of us and designed by God for his purpose, made in the image of God to bring about order to creation, to bring about his kingdom work wherever we go, and to reveal his love. Only our bodies can reveal the invisible. Think about that. What's invisible? Well, the way you think. How do you reveal what you think? You use your body to do it. Love is invisible. How do you reveal love? You have to use your body to do it. How do you reveal God? I love this passage of Scripture more and more every day. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. Jesus became human. The only way he can be human is if he shows up in a body. Jesus isn't just wearing a body like a shell, and then Timothy Keller says, like when he ascends to heaven, he just sheds the shell like the space, uh, spaceship sheds the rockets. No, no, he's in the body. He is embodied. He is a person, so he has to be a body. For him to experience life as we experience and experience every type of temptation, he had to show up as a human. And God could have just spoke it into existence. Could have said, Jesus, you're just there, there's your body, and you're a 30-year-old person ready to collect your disciples and explain God's kingdom to everybody. But no, 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 no. Jesus became human. So his body, his person, who he is, was knit together in his mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. And then Jesus had to be born. And Jesus had to be potty trained. That's a weird thought. Jesus had to learn how to walk because he was in a body. And I hate thinking about this. I don't even want to think about this. And I'm glad the scripture doesn't communicate this. Jesus had to go through puberty because he was in a body. And the scripture tells us that Jesus reveals God's love to us. Jesus reveals who God is. So when Jesus wept over his people who were rejecting him like Adam and Eve rejected God, he was hurting and his heart hurt. When you are hurt, and you're emotionally distraught, 
What part of your body hurts? You just hurt. Doesn't your heart ache? Your stomach get upset? You begin to perspire. Your whole body reacts to pain. And when Jesus revealed God's love, he also revealed he's hurting for us. How did Jesus reveal God's love to us? Well, while we were still sinners, while we still thought wrong thoughts, while we were living a lie, while we were still rejecting him, while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to die for us in our place. Hebrews chapter 9 says, we are healed by his own blood. Where does he get blood from? It's from his body. Jesus became a body. He became somebody. And amazing upon amazing, when he resurrected from the grave, he was in a body. When he met with his disciples, they said, oh no, it's a ghost. He said, no, ghosts don't have flesh and blood. Give me something to eat. And he ate something, and they were like, oh, it's really him in a body. He is his body. And when he ascended into heaven, he didn't shed his body. There is a very real human sitting at the right hand of God, ruling the earth, and his name is Jesus. The scripture says, just as they saw him ascend, he will return to earth. When we are resurrected from the dead, we are told we will get a new body. See, the lies today that say we are only soul and our bodies don't matter, or we're only body and there is no soul, they're both lies that lead to destruction and they join with Satan to try to destroy our relationship with God and other people. And the reality is, we were created by God in these bodies. What we do with these bodies matter. And this idea that we can exchange our body for another or get rid of our body altogether is not what God says about our bodies, although he does say our bodies will be redeemed. Can you imagine? You are yourself with no character flaws. You get a new body that is you that doesn't have aches and pains. It allows you to live up to who you are as your full potential. That's going to be our new bodies. Being separated from our body happens at a destructive time called death, which God doesn't want for us. And so he gives us a new redeemed body. See, how we think about our body determines what we think about God, what we think about Jesus, what we think about the Bible, how we think the church should be. What we think about what God says about our bodies, if we can figure out, determines what we think about sexuality and gender and how we live in marriage and, and life and death and even how we age. What we think about the body matters and God tells us what to think about the body to be healthy. And if we can line our thoughts up to what God says, we will actually live a life he designed for us. I think this series is going to be fun, and I'm a little scared. But God does explain about our bodies in this book. Here's our call to action. 
Here's our call to action. See, when Adam and Eve broke the world and it affected their bodies, they no longer could live as God intended them to live. To bring order to creation, order to the chaos, and to reveal God's love. And we needed somebody to show us how it could be done. We needed a new Adam, a new leader. And so God sent Jesus Christ to show us how to live in the body, always communicating with God, always relying on God's ways, and always doing what God says. And as Jesus did that, he brought about the kingdom of God to earth, and he showed how to love people. And we love people through sacrificing our bodies. We love people by using our bodies. How do you show somebody you love them? What's the best way you can show somebody you love them? Being there for them. When somebody's excited and happy, you're there to help them celebrate. When somebody is sad and depressed, you're there to comfort them. We do that with our bodies. Even if your ability to show love is to give gifts, you got to use your body to give the gift. You got to use your body to purchase the gift. If your love language is to give cash to the preacher because you want to celebrate, you got to use your body to work to earn the money to give the preacher cash. If you want to love God and you can't go in the mission field, so you're going to send missionaries money like we did last month, you got to use your body to work to earn the money that God has given you to use for his kingdom use, and you put it in the offering plate so that missionaries can go where you can't go. We use our bodies to show love. And we need to do it like Jesus showed us. How did Jesus show us? Well, he left the comfort of heaven to come to earth to show us God's ways. And he took on a humanity, so he is fully God and fully human, and he is always going to be fully God and fully human, so he could show us how to live as humans. And then he made himself low to lift other people up. When God says, use your bodies as a spiritual sacrifice, when Jesus says, take up your cross daily, he's saying, go sacrificially love as many people as you can, and you will reveal God's purpose, and you will reveal God's love, and you will make a huge difference in this earth for his kingdom. Your call to action is to go love like Jesus loved. Willing to give your life so that somebody else can have life. I love how uh, Dr. Waltke describes righteousness in the Old Testament. There's a word righteousness that comes up over and over and over again. And he says righteousness and unrighteousness are very close, but they're the opposite. He, uh, and he, descri- he defines it this way. He says righteousness is to help somebody at my expense. And unrighteousness is for me to take at somebody else's expense. We've been called to use our bodies for righteousness. That's what Jesus did. Jesus died so that we could experience life. And he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live life like he did.